الجزيرة بودكاست Shortly after the chaos and media excitement of former President Donald Trump's arraignment at a Miami federal court earlier this week, Trump, who is also running for president in the 2024 race, jumped back in his black SUV and headed to another event. He stopped off at a Cuban restaurant in Miami. So Trump, even at this moment, is thinking campaign. He then flies off to his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey, where he holds a campaign fundraising meeting to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign funds. Mike Hanna covers Washington, D.C. for Al Jazeera's audiences around the world. And the question that I hear very often is, how can he continue to get sufficient support to be a contender in a U.S. presidential race? Many outside this country don't have the faintest idea how that is possible. And to be honest, many of those within this country, including myself, uh, do not have the faintest idea how it's possible either. So what does former President Donald Trump's arrest in the middle of his election campaign mean inside and outside the United States? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Trump indictments, court appearances, you've heard this before, right? So have we. But this week, it's a little different. We're here outside the courthouse in Miami, Florida, where former President Donald Trump will appear for his arraignment. Trump's most recent indictment lists 37 counts of federal charges regarding the mishandling of classified information. He's also accused of breaking seven different laws. And all of these charges are related to boxes of classified documents Trump was storing in his home long after his presidency. Trump has his own answer on why he was keeping those documents and the boxes storing them. These boxes were containing all types of personal belongings. They were full of newspapers, press clippings, thousands of pictures, thousands and thousands of White House pictures, clothing, memorabilia, and much, much more. I hadn't had a chance to go through all the boxes. It's a long, tedious job. It takes a long time which I was prepared to do, but I have a very busy life. Al Jazeera's Mike Hanna covered Trump's presidency from Washington, D.C. Hello, hello. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hello, how are you? I'm doing very well. It's good to have you back on The Take. Thank you so much. I know it's been a while. And now he's covering Trump's indictments. So let's just dive right in then. Mike, there is one picture that the Department of Justice has released, and it's of box after box after box piled one on top of the other in a bathroom of all places. They allege Trump stored boxes with classified documents all over the place in Mar-a-Lago, frankly, the ballroom, his bedroom, even a bathroom and a shower. Lay this out for us. What are the charges against Donald Trump and what kind of legal ramifications is he facing here? Well, those pictures very seriously identified how willful Donald Trump was in terms of maintaining or storing those documents. Uh, also, the volume of them, you get a sense in those pictures of exactly how much material Trump took back with him when he left the presidency. Now, there's 37 charges in this particular indictment. 
But the serious ones are under the Espionage Act, which basically alleges that he took away secrets that were critical to national defense, but importantly, that he shared those secrets with others, and even more importantly, that he willfully obstructed attempts by the Department of Justice to get those documents back. So these are very serious charges. Some of them carry sentences, potential sentences of up to 20 years. So it's very, very serious indictment that has been brought by the special prosecutor, Jack Smith. Hmm. Lengthy sentences, some up to 20 years, as you said. We know that Trump has pleaded not guilty. What's the likelihood that he would actually get a maximum sentence like that? Well, that's... Pure speculation at the moment, it's very difficult to gauge. We have seen similar cases, but you have got so many other factors in this case, uh, not least given the fact that he was a sitting president. That is going to be something that's going to be discussed in the pre-trial process that we are going into now. Uh, His lawyers will continue that argument that as a former president, he is immune to these charges One of the things that struck me is that he was putting posts on his social media platform, even while he was in the vehicle on the way to the courtroom. Among those posts, an absolutely vicious attack on uh, the special prosecutor and also on all those who Trump says are conducting this witch hunt, the Department of Justice, the President of the United States. So even at this particular time, Trump was focused on basically establishing some kind of platform that paints him as a victim, as an angry victim indeed. And this is the kind of tactic that he's adopted before. It's the kind of tactic that we may well see over coming weeks. I think what might be the most surprising to people, aside from the historic nature of this at all, is that even after this latest indictment, and Trump's court appearance on Tuesday, he will and has been continuing his campaign. Okay, I think it's a rigged deal here. We have a rigged country. We have a country that's corrupt. He made a stop at a Cuban restaurant right after all of that hubbub to campaign. Everything else. We have a country that is in decline like never before, and we can't let it happen. I'm going to make a little... Is it true that there's no legal bar to his campaigning? He won't be sent to jail pending trial or anything like that? No, there's no legal bar to his campaigning, and there would be no legal bar if, in fact, he was uh, put into prison because a presidential uh, candidate can operate uh, while in incarceration in terms of U.S. law. There has been a precedent for that as well. So he is intent on going through this process. At this stage, he's intent that he's going to continue to campaign, but it's going to be very difficult for him. And there are a lot of cases, Mike says. Some that have started and some that have yet to begin. Number one. He's got this particular case to deal with. Number two. He's got a finance-based case in New York, which is a state case to deal with. Number three. He's got a potential case uh, coming up against the columnist Gene Carroll. A second case, uh, having been found guilty on the first one and subject to $5 million, he then went out and said exactly the same things that had led to the sentence in the first place. I have no idea who the hell... She's a whack job. That makes four. 
A judge in New York said that Jean Carroll can go ahead with another case and can claim an additional $10 million. Number five. Investigating allegations that Trump rejected or attempted to subvert the 2020 election result. Now, that, of course, is a very serious charge. And number six. And finally, one must remember that the special counsel in the Mara Lago documents case is also investigating charges against uh, Trump for attempting to subvert the 2020 election results. So this is a large morass of legal procedures uh, that the former president is going to have to deal with while attempting to campaign. Wow. Okay, Mike, so I, I just had to take a pause in the middle of what you were saying to try to make it all make sense because it's enough to make your head spin. So you mentioned the Mar-a-Lago documents case from the 2020 election results. We've got Jean Carroll and her defamation case, sexual harassment. We also have a pending or upcoming Georgia case. Then we've got the New York case surrounding hush money and then this current indictment. How do you keep track of it all? How are the American people supposed to keep track of it all? Well, it's very difficult because even there you left out the case that the special prosecutor, uh, Jack Smith, still mounting that investigation into attempting to change the result of the 2020 election. Now, it's very difficult to get your head around all of this. There are so many things going on. Now, it's difficult for me as a journalist. It's difficult for the public at large It must be very difficult for Donald Trump as well to deal with all these differing factors because they all play in on each other. And putting all these cases together, what you have is a valuation of the man's integrity as a person and also as a politician. Now, this is yet another factor that is going to play into this. Having said that, Trump, as you mentioned, continued campaigning, even while he was driving away from the court to go to his private jet to go to Bedminster, to his golf club, to make a speech of some 30 minutes in which he repeated every falsehood that he has been repeating about this being a witch hunt. Importantly, it's a political persecution, like something straight out of a fascist or a communist nation. So even on the day of a very serious indictment, Trump continues to campaign. It it is mind-boggling on every single level. But what are Donald Trump's chances of winning the presidency in 2024? And what's the future of democracy? We'll tackle them both after the break. On the Inside Story podcast this week, we ask how India can end the ethnic violence that's engulfed the northeastern state of Manipur since early May. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So, Mike, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he's one of about a dozen Republican presidential candidates, including Trump, who are running for president against Joe Biden. Based on polling, DeSantis is the closest competitor to Trump, but Trump is in the lead despite everything we've just talked about. So one might think this would mean DeSantis and the other candidates would be distancing themselves from Trump, but they don't seem to be. What's, what is going on there? Well, that's quite correct. I mean, DeSantis and other contenders have said that if they win, and the unlikely thing that they win the nomination and become president, they would pardon Trump. 
So they continue to support him. But this is one of the weird, weird things about US politics at the moment. He retains this title based support as evidenced by the fact that even his contenders in the primary are not going to go out and attack him. Mm. One has Chris Christie, a very close former uh, colleague of Trump's, has been very strong and has attacked him on these charges and has called into question his character. But generally, for these contenders to go against Trump, they think, is the third rail of Republican politics, that because he has such a core base, if you are seen to be against Trump, then you are going to suffer politically. Now, that is a, a clear dilemma for these candidates. But it's also the worst nightmare of the Republican Party. In Congress, a number of Republican members of Congress coming out in support of Trump, repeating what Trump was saying about this is a witch hunt, these are false charges, that Democrats in similar circumstances were not charged. That was from the House. Mm. From the Senate, there's largely a remarkable silence among people like the Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. He's staying well away from it. Now, there's a very good reason for this. If the Republicans put up a nominee like Trump, it's going to be very difficult for him to win a national election. For Republicans, it's an absolute nightmare that they are being forced into nominating a candidate who many of them privately know would not win a national election because of all these factors. Hmm. And the fact that you said they're being forced to really says so much about the American two-party system, but that's another podcast. It is indeed. (laughs) (laughs) For this latest case, this classified documents case, it's clearly not simple, and the trial will likely continue well into the 2024 term, meaning if Trump does surpass all these other candidates and is elected, he could be facing trial as president. What would that mean for him and why would it take so long? Perhaps this is his uh, get out of jail free card. Um, As president, he can pardon himself. As president, a sitting president, it may well be that the charges have to be rescinded. That's a whole massive constitutional issue, uh, which has been touched on in the months leading up to this indictment. Um, But some are contending that that is Trump's strategy. When Trump was arrested this week, there were warnings of potential violence. And we did see supporters and detractors out in the streets. Those warnings harken back, of course, to the insurrection of 2020. And I know that you were on your way to Capitol Hill on January 6, 2020, when the insurrection broke out. And you've been following up on those cases ever since. Fortunately, this week we did not see violence, but do you worry that there could be more ahead? Let me break this all down in, in, in kind of process, is that Trump called for his supporters to come and support him at this indictment. He did so when he was indicted in New York, maybe a couple of thousand turned out in Miami, less than that. Is this an indication of things to come? Perhaps. Uh, We don't know at this particular point. But on January the 6th, we heard from some of those who were charged that they did what they did because they believed that Donald Trump had asked them to do so. So the potential for violence is never far away, given the nature of some of his support 
I was on my way to, to the capital, as you said. I got turned away by police. I couldn't get through the barricades. It was grotesque in terms of seeing scenes like this within a country like the United States. The sheer attack, both tangible, visible, on the very bastions of democracy, the attack on the process itself, all of this is unprecedented in terms of a country that had successfully, peacefully handed over power from administration to administration for generations. It's mind-boggling. It's very, very difficult for people within this country, let alone for those outside this country, how to get around their minds that a democratic process that has been so stable for so long can suddenly show these splinters, show these little cracks emerging that could possibly at some stage lead to a full-time rupture. So in short, the possibility of ongoing violence because of Donald Trump is always there. It's not going to go away. What does this then mean for the world to see what's happening with democracy in the U.S.? If I can put it in in these terms, when I was a young kid growing up in South Africa under an apartheid administration, the struggle against apartheid, both for those who reported on the struggle, those who were fighting it, looked to the United States. I would look at something like Brown versus Board of Education, a U.S. case in which the Supreme Court ruled that separate does not constitute equal, as an utter beacon in terms of the struggle that was being raged in South Africa, where the administration insisted that separate is equal. Now, this is just a small example of how important democracy is to those in the rest of the world. And events such as we are seeing here, as this plays out, the Trump impact on the body politic within the United States is something that raises doubts outside this country about the validity of the U.S. democratic system. Not only the reality of those protections and guarantees, but the very foundations on which they are built. Many countries, including, as I said, my native South Africa, looked at this system as one that offered some kind of hope, some kind of cement in uncertain and changing times. What has happened is something that calls into question for everybody around the world this very fundamental point, that democracy in the United States is there for good, that the Constitution will change with times, but it will be unbending to those who attempt to subvert it. That question is now not an absolute given. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters and David Enders, with Sonia Bagad, Chloe K. Lee, Miranda Lynn, Ashish Malhotra, Khalid Sultan, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. The Take's executive producer is Alexandra Locke, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.